All right, folks, let's get started. Well, thank you for joining me. It's a been an interesting day. Uh, so I told Brett Key through a little bit of a hand grenade at us today ahead of the media um, situation. And uh, I have a house full of lunatics right now. So if you hear anything behind me, it's my uh, nephews who are in town from New Jersey hanging out with my kids. So uh, they're a little bit uh, rambunctious. Um, so yeah, Brent Key walks out, starts his presser. I had heard Sunday, uh, for sure. What I'd kind of been hearing, it was going on for a hot minute that it was probably going to be hands at least for the Louisville game. And, um, I just kind of was thinking to myself, well, crap, I'm going to have to sit on this for 10, 11 days or 12 days, whatever it is. And, um, obviously the, all the stuff went down yesterday where he informed the players and then talked to the team leadership today on Tuesday and, and all of that stuff. Um, so, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I think age and experience played a factor in this and arm talent, consistency, all of those things come into play when you make a quarterback decision. And something I, I alluded to on, on, I guess it was Sunday relationships are, are a key piece here. Having a guy that was recruited by two of your offensive coaches for their system, like all of those things kind of come into play. And then it seems like it's dialed up for Haynes at the moment and things can change. Obviously he's been, uh, had multiple opportunities to be starting quarterback was Texas A&M starting quarterback in 2021 and 2022, 2021 he gets hurt in game two out for the season. And then last year he got benched after struggling early in the year. So I think that um, I wouldn't read too much into any comments. Uh, you know uh, what they're going to do is whatever Brent key thinks gives them the best chance to win. So I think that, the one thing that I know more about Brent than, than anything else is that he's going to do the thing he thinks ultimately gives his team the best chance to win. All bets are off. And so this is an example of that. I think everyone kind of expected, and after the spring, Zach Pyron had a considerable lead. Haynes King um, worked hard in the summer and shrunk the lead. And then they competed again in the fall. And it seemed like, as I kind of alluded to over the last few weeks, it's gotten tighter and tighter. And, I think it was um, the decision they came to. Now, whether you agree with it, don't agree with it, none of us know because there's maybe two or three people on the board that are actually even watched a scrimmage or whatever. And I'm seeing a small fraction of practice. I can't give you an educated take on where things are. I can tell you from what I hear and what I think. And, you know, it just sounded like Haynes had a really good fall camp. And so – they went that direction. Does it mean that that's the guy who's going to start the rest of the games? I think was it 2019 told us that was not the case. Cause I think that was, they started Tobias Oliver in the opener against um, Clemson. He ended up playing receiver like a couple weeks later. So you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think the guy down the street uh, that just didn't graduate at like 35 tells you the story of that, right? Like, he was at Georgia forever and they kept bringing in guys to beat him out and he would eventually beat them out. And so you just never know with these situations, you know, I feel confident saying that one of the walk-ons probably won't be playing quarterback this year, but I think you could see 
Zach Pyron play a lot. I think you could see Haynes play a lot. And I think you could see even Zach Gibson potentially play at some point. They've not made it through a season a long time with one quarterback. So the reality is there's going to be guys that play that's college football in these days with the helmet rules and all other stuff. You're always a play away from having to go in anyways. They're in a good situation that they have two guys they feel like they can go and win a game with. At least probably three was what Brent said. And, and obviously the North Carolina game showed they could win a game with Zach Gibson last year, and he played well in the Georgia game. So, you know, that's the situation. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the other choices are um, just in terms of like how – what play calling looks like, what the – personnel packages even like what the formations and all those things are for for um Haynes King and that's all the stuff that will be kind of an unknown going into that Louisville game um they threw the kitchen sink out in the spring so you saw everything from you know three you know two tight ends and two slots to whatever so I think it's going to be an interesting evolution even week to week in terms of just what the they have base plays, they have their base stuff, but what the formations look like, that's something Buster Faulkner's talked a lot about is just changing the window and changing the picture, I should say, pre-snap for the defense. So those are all the things that um, will be interesting. Somebody asked a question, is this the first time that Georgia Tech has had two four-star quarterbacks? I don't know if Graham was on the team at the same time as Jeff Sims. They were on the team. James Graham was Jeff Sims' backup quarterback in 2020. Uh, or I think that's right. Is that right? No, maybe I'm wrong about that. It was James Graham. Now, now you've got sending me down a internet rabbit hole. It's James Graham on the team in 2020. Uh, I feel like he was. I feel like he was like the dark horse that season. But I don't think it's going to – someone asked if it's going to be quarterback roulette. I don't think it's that either. I think they have what they think is going to be the the quarterback situation. Yeah, James Graham did play in 2020. So um, they've had two four-star quarterbacks. And even within this situation, they had three actually at that point because you had Jordan Yates on the team too. So they had three and and – 2020 on the team. Um, and I don't even, I think Haynes might not have even been a four star with rivals. I don't remember, but he was close. If he wasn't, he was like a five, seven right off the edge. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, um, a fun quarterback thing to watch. I mean, I think these things are always interesting when they're not like clear and, and they've gone a hundred different ways. You have the Tobias Oliver situation that I mentioned before you've had, um, you know, uh, you know, covering Georgia, I covered one with Joe Tereshinsky the third and Matt Stafford and Joe Cox and a three-headed. There's actually a fourth quarterback, Blake Barnes, who never played on that team. And Mark Richt, who is Chris Winkie's uh, mentor, struggled to figure out figure that out. And Joe T three was like the son of the one of the coaches and a longtime coach. So there's always like these weird stories. Um, I can think of like a hundred of them. Blake Barnett at Alabama was one where he gets unseated. Um, and then there's ones where like a guy gets the keys turned over to him and he goes and, and just balls out. 
there've been a few of those too, where like somebody transfers from somewhere and the light comes on and, and their lights out and you just won't know. Like none of us know, Brent doesn't know, you know, Buster Faulkner, Chris Winkie, they don't know. I think no one knows what's going to happen. Um, I will tell you that it sounds like the guys have handled this pretty well considering. Um, and, and that's good to see. Uh, obviously, you know, probably a better pill for, for Zach Pyron and his family today with it becoming public. But, um, you know, I think just from everything I've gathered, everyone's kind of handled this the right way as much as it could. So I think that's an encouraging situation. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'll uh, jump into the questions here just to kind of keep things more focused online. And I'll start the ones on JOL and then we'll jump into the ones in the chat. Has uh, King's throwing motion been fixed? Um, he's. It looks like it's changed a little bit. It's a little less hitchy um, from what I've seen. Yes, that is a is a fake Telia Squire blue back there that I never get to play because I'm always working. Um, have they fixed his throwing? It looks smoother. I don't know. Like I, I, I'd have to go back and like watch him at A and M to see like what because I've seen it so much now at practice every day that I don't notice his throwing motion. It doesn't stand out to me. So, um, it looks okay. <laughs> so and is so is Gibson not the opening game starter? No, I, I think even Zach and his family kind of knew the odds on that one were pretty limited. Um, yeah, squires are great guitars. Uh, nine and a half threads and a QB decision on nine two. If we lose on nine one, uh, absolutely they'll be calling. They'll be calling for people in the game if the game's not going like well out of the gate. And that's the thing, Brent rightfully made the the comment about today which is you're not going to go into yank him if he has two bad series to start the game um now if he's just thinking the join up i'm sure that there will be a hook and there's a certain amount of time that you're gonna you're not gonna just be like hey i'm gonna trot these guys out here and, and whatever happens happens they're gonna make some changes if if the offense is struggling and it's the q's fault and that's the other thing in all of this too you have to look at the whole picture, like, is the offensive line executing? Are the running backs executing their part of the game? Are the receivers catching balls? Are they dropping balls? All of those things factor into those decisions. And fans tend to just look at, like, the stat line, and this is, you know, he was 11 for 33 or whatever. And sometimes there's a little more to that. Like, they're running for their life. Um, you know, Haynes got that experience at Alabama and played well in that game. That's sort of the one real standout game um, that he had at Texas A&M. It seems like the prevailing notion is still both will play. How do you see that shaking out? Maybe Pyron, some short yardage runs or something else. I just think in this day and age, there's very few quarterbacks that take every snap and take start every game even. You know, at a pretty high-level programs, yes, um, that maybe have really good offensive lines or, or whatever. But even then, even the Kenny Pickett's of the world sometimes would come out of games. So um, – I think that uh, you will definitely see both play this year. I think, you, as Brent said, you may see all three. I hope you see all three in week two against South Carolina State. That would be a vast improvement over the last couple of FCS games that Georgia Tech has played. Um, how's West Durham taking the news? I have no idea. How, uh, I haven't talked to Wes about it. Have the rest of the starters been named? No, they will not. They'll drop a depth chart probably – 
whatever our media is for next week. I don't know if it, they haven't told us yet what it is. I think it, usually it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Next week it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It could just be Tuesday, Wednesday. It could be whatever because they're playing on Friday, so it'll be a little bit of a different schedule. But whenever Brett Key has his first press conference for Louisville game week, I think they'll put out a depth chart. That's what at least Brent has told us and, and the SIDs there as well. Um. What differentiated King on the field, you know, um, from the field, sorry, of quarterbacks, I would say, um, you know, maturity and experience, uh, you know, he's three years older than Zach Byron. He's a guy that's technically a junior in college right now. Um, That's going to give you a little bit of an advantage uh, no matter what, like just having three, you know, three full years of strength and conditioning, even if it was in another place, having, all that time to work on stuff. Here's the other thing with Zach and that people don't realize he was in an option offense early in his career. He wasn't developed the same way that a lot of these quarterbacks were. He was a guy that was a lot of it was sort of self-development. Um, it was not the traditional thing, whereas Haynes is a coach's son and was groomed and all this stuff. And they ran a lot of different things as well. He was running some weird things early in his career, more option oriented and then switched to, more of a spread and then, you know, developed from there, but it was not the traditional path that you see a lot of quarterbacks go through. So that's something to also file away in the back of your head. It's uh, he's been a guy that's been playing since he was like 14, but he's been in a variety of different situations since then. Uh, where did he improve from the spring to get to the place where he was a QB one? I think he's been more consistent. We noticed it. You know, little bits and bobs we see that, but I think he's just Haynes was a lot better in the spring. I think he was a little bit lost, and that happens a lot of times when you change change offenses. You have Winky who's teaching him something different, or or teaching him a more thorough way of doing things. All of that's a learning curve, even if you're an older guy. And so I think that he maybe settled down. Pyron seems like the type will put his head down and keep grinding. That's worth everyone on this board that loves him. But is there any worry about disgruntledness or looking for different opportunities? Nothing can go on now. Everyone's locked in. There's no portal. There's none of that stuff. That, they're not the type that would jump ship at the first sign of um, stuff. I've known that family since he was still in high school. Great people. Uh, Chaz and Lee, his mom, uh, and his dad, Chaz, they're great people. Um, quality people. You know, They're very respectful and um, they would, I think, want the same thing that Brent talked about for their son to be a very successful quarterback at Georgia Tech. And whether it happens this year or down the line, I, you know, we don't know. But the one thing that's changed, one thing that's at a constant in this business now with the portal is everything's changing all the time. And even coaches and assistants change. So attitudes can change, systems can change, even change year to year. So I think everyone's basically in a year at a time evaluation period unless you've burned your transfer. So with Zach, I, my expectation is he will be at Georgia Tech for a long time. Assuming 50, a 50% middle-of-the-road performance out of King, how many seasons do you see Haynes King being the starting quarterback at Georgia Tech? I think that's a crazy question, and no offense to the person that asked it, but we'll see him get through game one and, and play the whole game, and game two and play the whole game before we start talking about how long so-and-so is at school. This isn't like – Stefan Marbury coming out and, and balling out like in one season and being done. If he was that good, he would have 
he would be the starting quarterback at Alabama right now or somewhere like that, Haynes King. And that's you no know, shot on Haynes, but that's how it is, right? Um, Woody sees Haynes King's main football strengths. Sharp guy, uh, moves well, throws the ball well, has, um, you know, a command of the offense, what he wants to do with the ball. I think he can see the defense well. His progressions are going to be pretty solid just because he's an older guy. He's played a lot. Is this more of Haynes King being experienced and having played in some big games, or is it more suited to start the nationally televised opener, or is he clearly QB1? I think that they feel like he gives them the best chance to win on Friday night in 10 days. And I think anyone reading more than that into this at this point is going way too far. Cause even if say Buster Falker and Chris Winkie think that, that Haynes is our guy, he's the guy, right? If he doesn't perform when the lights are on, that changes everything. And the one thing that was big about Zach Pyron a year ago is he struggled in practice because he was a freshman learning an offense. that's pretty complicated. And then he turned out to be more of a gamer and played totally different with the lights on. And guys go back and forth. You know, Zach Gibson was a great practice quarterback and struggled more with the lights on with the Swiss cheese O-line and the game plan that was set up for Jeff Sims. Like a lot of it's context. And so um, I think that, you know, they have a plan to win games with all three quarterbacks, depending on who it is. And, and that's the way they're going to approach things. And that's the way I think Prince told them to approach that. So saying King still wear the helmet from space balls. Again, it's funny you guys notice this stuff up close. Like I don't, I've never noticed his helmet looks any different or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm silly. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor section 103 who bring you the best georgia tech clothes out there original interesting clothing with the official tech gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else i think it's the best uh best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs it's like the stuff that coaches wear it's really cool you get the AT atl logo that they have um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool, and they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media, and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps, and check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Pirates seem to have mojo with the offense last year. Does King offer that much of a dynamic difference to win a game? Don't know yet. Again, everyone looks good when, you can, when you're when you not live and you can't be hit. And when you can be hit and when you're live, there's a long history of guys that have played at Georgia Tech that look great in practice and when the lights come on, didn't can't do it. Or 
get out or someone else overperforms or whatever. Like, and then there's guys who are terrible guys in practice or mediocre or whatever that do well. Um, you know, I think Pyron was okay last year in practice from what I gathered, but wasn't great and played well in the couple games he played. You know, Matthew Jordan, I think, was another one of those dudes back in the day. Like, there have been a few of those dudes. Taquan Marshall was like a guy that was not necessarily lights out in practice, but played well in games. So you just never know. Do you think Brent's decision is more of an affirmation on King's progress, maturity, or an indictment on Pyron's youth and growing skill set, or neither? I think I don't know. Like, that would be me really trying to get in the head of Brent Key and, and Chris Winkie and Buster Faulkner. And I know Brent pretty well at this point. I don't know Buster very well. I've had some nice conversations with him, but it's not like he's my buddy and I've known him for 20 years. And same with Winky. Winky and I get along and I've had some really interesting conversations with him over the years and over the last two years. But again, like I can't get in their heads. I don't, it's not like if you're asking me in 2016, what Paul Johnson thought about something, I could probably give you a pretty good answer because I've been around him for a long time and understand how he works. And uh, I think you guys saw that those who've been around long enough to remember the uh, infamous Vadley season uh, in 2013, where I kept talking about Justin Thomas is like a year away, year away and telling everybody that he was going to be the guy eventually. And then in 2014, he's the guy and they suddenly look lights out. Uh-huh. Can you please ask Brent Key why he didn't consult jackets online before making the quarterback Announcement. I, you know, I, I'm telling you, I screwed up the tweet. I'm work, working on like three hours of sleep last night. My uh, toddlers got bit up by mosquitoes, was in our bed last night and unhappy and waking up and then woke up early this morning and woke me up about an hour before I needed to get up and was jabbering away. And so I'm, I was like so shocked that like, I, if you go look at the tweet I had that all these people retweeted, it's a friggin' typo, basically. It's correct in the most like, obscure way of saying it's correct, but it was kind of a crap, crap tweet. Um, looking back, you were definitely leading us towards Haynes King being named the starter for the past little bit. What was it made you hearing that he was going to realize he was, he was going to be named the starter? I was just reading the tea leaves, man. Like um, I hear a lot of stuff and, and that's all it was. Certainly wasn't anything we saw. Like they've lined up the same damn way uh, every day in practice. And so wasn't anything I saw. I was just listening to my sources and then kind of reading the tea leaves, man. In your opinion, do you think the correct decision was made? No idea. Again, like I'm not there. They're there every day. I would hope that these dudes are professional enough to make the right decision that gives them the best chance to win games. Cause if they don't, Brent Key's going to kick them out on the curb. And Brent Key's going to be out of a job if he doesn't make those decisions. And everything I know about Brent is that he's going to do whatever it takes to win. So if he thinks Haynes King against Louisville is the move, then that's why he made that move. If it turns out to not be the move in the following week against South Carolina State, then so be it. Uh, is King's read option style quarterback after the injuries, which could be as a high ceiling. So there are, Kane's King is an RPO guy. Like they can run a lot of that stuff with him. Zach can run those things as well, but Haynes has a ton of experience with RPO. So it gives them some flexibility if that's what Buster wants to do. I don't know what their game plan is. I just know that it definitely, definitely having to prepare for both of them and then also having to prepare for some of his 
his different things that he showed on film at AM is definitely a complicating factor for Louisville defensively. Which is slower traffic on 285 or King's throwing motion? His motion sped up quite a bit. Um, that is a very funny question, though, and I appreciate the, the comedy. Uh, since you're leading toward Pyron, starting close spring, I'm guessing that King won the job by grasping things quicker in the fall and perhaps does better under the pressure situations. Maybe it'll be lower expectations, something Zach could always catch up to. My thought is Zach Pyron has put a tremendous amount of pressure on himself for a guy that's 19 years old and has played three college football games and started two. And you saw that. In the, like, he just plays balls out like he is – that's how he is. And I think he is was very, very, very focused on trying to, to be the guy. And he's in leadership for the team. Like all these things is a really young guy. And so when I look at it, I'm like, this is a guy that's going to be very successful in life, but you have to be able to manage some of that stuff too. And I think that's probably one of the things he's struggling with now too, is just not, making it so hard on themselves. So I will get into the chat questions now here. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to probably, so someone asked me if I could do a 22. I will give you my best guess at the 22 probably this weekend um, on the site. I'm not going to do that um, on a free chat though. That's That's premium content, baby. What should we expect from the wide receivers? Seems like we have a lot of bodies, but do any of the guys have separated themselves from the group? I tried asking this question today in kind of a roundabout way. Uh, wasn't answered really. Obviously, Malik and Christian Leary, the two slot guys, are pretty dynamic. I think they have a group of about – as Brent said, six to eight guys that are all sort of lumped together and they're going to have to sort that out in the field. And then there's the looming thing of if, when Leo Blackburn comes back this season. And I'm of the opinion that we will see him again this year. Um, and he will play at least a decent amount of games, but we will see. I, you know, that's all up in the air still. What's my record prediction for the season? I have said, I'm the four to eight win category somewhere in there. It just depends on so many other factors. They're, they're deep at some spots than at others. There's, you know, what happens at running back? What happens at quarterback? What happens at corner? Like all of those things, linebacker production, those will be what turns a season from four wins to eight wins. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. What does the game plan look like for Louisville? Come on, man. Really? Like, I have no idea. I haven't, I haven't spent a second watching whoever the hell. I don't even, I can't even tell you who Louisville's defensive coordinator is yet. I have not looked at that. So I have no idea what the hell their game plan would be for that game and would probably be not particularly inclined to, to share it if I had, a, if I knew. What other pictures on the wall hang behind me? Um, that's my degree. That's my wife's degree. Um, that is a autographed ZZ Top um, 
uh, thing from ZZ Top that they gave a guy I used to work for who worked for ZZ Top, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Grateful Dead, All My Brothers, all the stuff he did, art and merch for them. Uh, it's a really good friend of mine's dad. And we were helping and he uh, him move out of a place and he gave me that and probably 20 years ago. Um, it's very cool. There's a off where you can't see on this side, there's a uh, autographed John Atwistle, uh like um, drawing he did of the who in the year 2000 from when I saw them at Phillips arena in 2000 before he died. That's very cool. There's a couple of things behind me, like in that tube, there's a autographed Ryan Adams poster um, that's not up. And then there's a bunch of stickers on my cabinet back there too. How is Jamie? Um, has Jamie Felix progressed? Has he shown some real province last year? Perhaps all security. Uh, Jamie's having a good camp by all accounts. Um, Frank, he's, that's been one of the few running backs he's mentioned. And so um, I think they think he's really talented. It's just about him developing and, and becoming a, a better back. It was interesting that he wanted to burn his shirt a year ago. I thought that was sort of fascinating and wanted to play in the fifth game against Georgia. Any idea why Ramblin' Rack is not selling jerseys of current players on the current roster yet? Have you heard anything about uniforms in general? The one thing I've heard is there's not going to be any like serious changes this year to uniforms that should be. I think there's two things. One, they want to get away from the Jeff Collins uniform of the week crap. And two is that um, some of the lead times on some of those things quite a bit. So um, I'm not sure as far as player jerseys, I have no idea. I'm not involved in that world, but I can try to ask, you know, put an answer up on JOL if I find out. What I expect attendance to be like for the game, I think it'll be really good. Louisville fans tend to show up, so I think it should be a pretty packed house. Um, I think it should be an interesting crowd. Um, hopefully it will not be similar to basketball last year, which was sort of a neutral site game at home. I think they'll still tackle still have a little bit of home field advantage. Is cornerback a spot we should be worried about? Who do you see the number of cornerback spot? Miles Sims looking good for QB number one, cornerback number one. I think all the corner stuff's still up in the air. I think you have Miles Sims, who's been battling some injury stuff, and Key says is back up and running. Kenneth Johnson, who's had injury stuff, that's, I think, back up and running. Kenyatta Watson's having a great camp, and Amari Harvey's having a great camp, and Rod Shelley has come along at playing corner and nickel. Those are the five guys for the two spots. Um, you know, the two guys that have been talked about probably the most to me have been Kenyatta and, and Amari Harvey. And um, Miles has got to, um, you know, get back to where he was a year ago. Hopefully he's there. I haven't, you know, I don't, I'm not sure where he's at, but I think so. My comment disappeared, but I'll say it again. Swamp Kings and Netflix are pretty good. Curious how much. Key's first camp was similar to Urban's first at Florida. Urban was pushing his players hard. Man, Brent worked for O'Leary. O'Leary was literally like you can read about O'Leary's camps and what they were like. So you can only imagine. I think it was Jay King said it was very similar to Paul Johnson's camps, only it was hotter during Key's because he had them going in the afternoon, whereas Paul 
I think had, if I remember correctly, they went a little bit earlier. They might've been like noon instead of like two. So it wasn't quite, it got real hot at the end, but it wasn't as brutal. So yeah. What's my final score prediction for the Louisville game, man. I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect. I told people that you're crazy if you bet on the game. Like, um, I just don't think it's something that makes a lot of sense to bet on um, unless you just like action. Cause like you're talking about two teams playing their first game with the new head coach, uh, new quarterbacks for both teams. Now at this point um, starting lots of new skill guys or different skill guys. Tech has our offensive linebacker. Louisville played pretty well last year. Louisville's supposed to be favored in the game because they play this sort of Charmony schedule. So I'll say this. Right now, Louisville's schedule looks soft. We don't actually know until you start to see these teams play and, like, who's good and who's bad. But um, I would just be very uh, – I would be very um, careful with – just any expectations for this. I don't know. And these games are weird. I remember the game in, was it 2016 and in, in Ireland against Boston college. And that game's played in Atlanta at a normal time. I think Georgia tech beats the tar out of them. And that was a super close game that came down to, you know, the very end. So, um, you know, I, I would just say someone said they hedged their bets and, put a bunch of money in the parlay. Yeah. Maybe you do that. If you're a gambler, I don't know. I'm not a, I am not a gambler. So, um, I, I've been terrible, um, terrible at that. Someone asks, how do you keep UGA fans up from taking over Bobby Dodd stadium? Winning. If you win Georgia tech fans will show up. If they think you got a chance, they'll show up. Hopefully they'll put on another good show in that game, even though they're going to be overmatched. So, um, any last questions from the chat or we're going to jump out of this and make sure you like comment, subscribe to the channel helps me out, helps me uh, do a little bit with the algorithm here. So um, I heard the UGA game is off the flex pack this year. That would be smart. I think they want their fans to show up thoughts on conference realignment. Do you think Stanford and Berkeley will join the ACC? Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that goes through. I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't. I am like so over all this conference realignment. I hate all of it. I think it's awful. I thought it was stupid when the ACC brought in like Pitt and and Syracuse. So Boston, no, it wasn't Boston College. It was Pitt and Syracuse that time. I just hate it. I think it's awful. I think it's bad for the game. I want them to go back to like 1992. You guys have seen me talk about that or my geographic puzzle where like everyone – is just playing like games in their regions and stuff. Like, I think this is so stupid. And it's going to kill, kill some of the goodwill sort of like baseball did with the strike in 94. Like you're not going to lose everybody, but you're going to lose some people and some of them aren't going to come back. And I know people that still have not come back to baseball from the 94 strike. Um, I thought Louisville came to replace Maryland. And that was later, wasn't it? Uh, but I don't remember who wins the ACC this year. My, Pick was, I believe, Clemson. Uh, let me see if I can find my ballot. I still have it. Um, I like their OC. I thought that was been the glaring hole for really since Chad Morris left. So 
he filled that. They have a really talented quarterback. They still have a lot of skill, talent, skill guys. I think Dabo's choice of portal usage is not optimal in this day and age, but um, they're still the class of the ACC. And I posted this stat somewhere else on one of my other sites today, but that was worth noting. I think since 2017, Florida State, who I think is the other hot choice, Florida State is 2-18 and 18 against the top 25 since 2017. Georgia Tech is 4-17. and 17. Georgia Tech has been pretty much garbage that whole stretch. They've had two five-win seasons and one bowl season and a bunch of three-win seasons. Like, that's unbelievable that Florida State's been that mediocre. And they're not playing Georgia and Clemson every year. They're just playing Clemson. So, have you been looking at any feelings on the convo with Jay Bat and the realignment? No, I've not been bothering Jay Bat with that. They're actually in the process of moving out of the edge building to get ready. They're going to tear down the edge in December. And so, Jay and his staff are all, they've been in the process of moving for a while. They've, they were in like suites and now they're moving to the Wardlaw building. So, all of that stuff's going on at Georgia Tech right now. So, it's not. Not really a time I get it. And really there's nothing going on with Georgia tech. So my feeling is like, I try to stay in my lane. I don't necessarily care what is going on with Stanford or Cal or whatever. I would love to go out and cover games out there, but other than that, like I don't really have a huge interest in it. So um, I am not going to bother Jay, Jay with that, but Jay's a great dude. I just had, I haven't seen Jay in a while, actually probably, since the spring, to be honest with you, I haven't seen him around. I've talked to his secretary as a friend of mine, but I've not seen uh, him since then. I'm sure he's busy trying to get things ready. He's very adamant on trying to fix all of the stuff that's wrong with um, the uh, game day experience and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Any week one upsets? I haven't looked at week one that much yet. Um, that Florida State LSU game is really interesting to me. Um, but not a lot. I know you addressed your opinion on the crowd at MBS. Do you think the crowd at Bobby Dow will be slightly better this year because of the buzz around key, right? I, I think it's going to take time to get it back to where it was when Paul Johnson would Paul Johnson left, but I think that the crowd should be better. God, I hope it is. I mean, it'll be really a shame for Georgia tech fans. If they don't start showing up again, that's, that's on y'all. If you don't show up for Brent Brent's trying to do everything he can to win games. Do you think my $10 bet of UVA beating Tennessee will pay off, man? If UVA beats Tennessee, I would say I go streaking or something, but I'm not crazy enough to do that. Cause college football is weird, weird enough to not put anything crazy. Like the guy who ate poo or whatever, like, we're not doing one of those bets, but that would be almost more shocking to me than App State beating Michigan. Let me put it that way. Like that's how little faith I have in and what um, Tony Elliott's doing at Virginia right now. When was the last time I talked to Jeff Collins? Uh, uh, the last time I spoke to Jeff Collins in any manner was the. Uh, post-game press conference uh, in Orlando after the UCF game. And I'm cool if that's the last time I ever talked to him. I, I like Jeff Fine. I just am not. I, 
he is exactly what all everyone warned me about when they were looking at him. He was that that was the person he was. I'll leave it at that. All right, folks. I appreciate you. I'm gonna go back and check and see how the wild people are going and uh in my house. And uh thank you so much. And I'm gonna post this as a podcast too. So if you're listening there, enjoy and the blue, not red pen. So Jeff Collins would be pleased by that. But uh, thanks everyone. And I will try to be back more regularly. Now we're in a out of camp and back into a regular schedule. I can do this. My plan is to try to do most of these after games, the Louisville game I might do on a Saturday and not uh Saturday night, not on um, Friday. Cause a, the game's late, but B um, I'm actually going to cross off one of my stadiums that weekend on Saturday. So I'm going up to Western Kentucky to watch South Florida play the, the Hilltoppers. So Thanks, everybody. Be good. I'll see you next week.